Hey guys, it's Dr. Poland here from Superior Chiropractic and Rehab Radio. I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting our channel and listening to all the great content that we have coming out. Because our goal here is to help every community stay active, strong, and healthy without prescription drugs or surgery. And so bringing these guests on is going to help us accomplish that goal. Now to help further support our channel so we can spread the message to more people, I would really appreciate it if you could hit that like and subscribe button on our page to make sure that one, you get notifications of when a new episode drops and you can share it to your friends and family. So thanks so much. We so appreciate your support. Now, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks so much. Perfect. There we go. Hey, everyone. It is Dr. Poland here from Superior Chiropractic and Rehab in Glen Carbon, Illinois. And I have my good friend from graduate school. You are the second person from IUP that I interviewed. Uh, I, I, I talked to Josh Dingus not too long ago, and, and man, he is just killing it. He's doing awesome. So it, it's really great to see you today, Tyler. How you been? Great, man. Great. Not bad. I'm in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia now. So it's a little bit different than IUP, but uh, it's not bad. I love it. I love it. Well, well, hey, if you could kind of just tell the audience who you are, what you do for your community, uh, just give us a quick background of who you are. Sure, sure. So uh, I'm Dr. Singer. Uh, I have my PhD in exercise physiology. Um, I did my undergrad uh, partially at Mount Union University, partially at Indiana University. Uh, got my master's, my undergrad's in exercise science, master's at IUP with Dr. Poland here in uh, kinesiology, I'm pretty sure it was. Mm-hmm. And uh then I did my PhD at Kent State in exercise physiology um, under Dr. McDaniel. Now I'm a, a, a so, or no assistant professor of exercise science at Fairmont State University. I teach uh, biomechanics, exercise physiology, anatomy, and phys there to undergrad and graduate students. Man, and it's uh, it's better than I could have ever imagined it. You know, it's it's uh, I see my friends; they work. 60 70 hours a week and they hate their life and honestly man i could have never imagined how much i like what i do it's it's very very uh, rewarding that's great and you know what's funny because we were just chit-chatting beforehand is that when i was in grad school with you getting our masters i would have never imagined you'd go off and get your phd and can you just kind of describe that journey for when you made that decision and then going through the grind of getting your doctorate yeah, sure. So um, I tell all my my advisees, they ask the sort of a similar question or a variant of, of that question. And uh, typically the way that I tell that story is I sort of fell into the position that I'm in now. If you would have told me, just like you said, when I was an undergrad that I would have had my PhD, I definitely would have played the lottery that day because there's no way I would have believed you. Um, I did say it was super rewarding and I'm really happy where I am right now. But it wasn't necessarily like intellect or maybe even motivation that got me here. It was uh, potentially, you know, me just showing up to class and getting to know the right people and being in the right place at the right time. Um, I mean, it all started with good old Dr. Bayless at, at IUP, and she brought me on as a grad assistant for the master's program. That's where I met you. And then she was good friends with Dr. Glickman, who they sort of have this I don't know, uh, it's like an informal roadway for master's students to get their PhDs. And I went to Kent State, got a GA, and, and the rest is sort of history. Honestly, the hardest schooling that I had to do was my undergrad by like a long shot, I think. 
I mean, you can attest to the master's thing. The master's wasn't all that hard. I mean, it was stuff that we had to do it was stuff that we enjoyed doing stats was a little bit difficult, but other than that, it was okay. Um, Dr. Story's first year teaching it that year. So, you know, we, we kind of got some problems. Uh, it was still a great class, but anyway, at Kent state, it was still stuff we wanted to do. I, you know, I, I tell people that all the time, they get very daunted about schooling in general. And they're like, well, I don't want to go to school for five or six years. And I'm like, five. I understand. Cause when I was looking at the, you know, four years of PhD, when I was 25 or 26 years old, I didn't want to do it either, but you know, I, it's, it's something you're looking down the barrel of a gun and you're like, all right, I, I want my life to be good after this. So if I can take four years and, and not hate my life for the next 40, I think I'll do that. But anyway, yeah, I just fell into it, man. And it, it's been, it's been phenomenal so far. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you're having a job that you absolutely love to do because what you said, you know, people work 60, 70, 80 hours a week and they hate their lives. They may be making great money, but still they had no time to spend it or utilize it or anything of that nature. And, you know, Dr. McDaniel, he was, he's a great friend of mine as well. And I know he'd take great, he really trains his PhD students. And from what you were saying, you know, there was, there was Andrew, there was John, and then there was Hayden. They all came from IUP to Kent State to get their PhD, and they're doing exactly what you're doing. They're loving life, which I love to hear. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, they always wonder from a professor standpoint, you know, you have to have some certain personality trait to really be successful in your position. Because as, a, as an instructor, and you can attest to this more than I could, is that you have to wear a lot of hats. You know, one day you're you're strictly the teacher and then the next day you might be a therapist because some student's crying in your room or someone's having a meltdown trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. So, you know, if, if you had to say that there was one important personality trait someone would have to have to be successful in your career, what would it be? Oof, to put a finger on one thing, that's tough. Uh, I think what's made me most successful, and I, I, I mean, to put it into perspective, I guess I've only been teaching for three years. So this isn't like a 10-year a career at this point. But I think the thing that makes me successful with the students is I'm laid back and uh, I never take things all that serious. So like I always say in the classroom, uh, there's definitely times to be serious and learn, but I'm like 15% entertainer when I'm in the front of the room. Like I need you to pay attention to me to learn and understand things. Um like I said, there are sometimes I'm super serious and like, that's another hat that, you know, we have to wear, unfortunately, or fortunately, but in terms of advising, you're absolutely right. Like kids will come in and I'll say, Hey, you know, what do you want to do with, you know, your life? And when you're asking an 18 year old kid that just as you would have asked me when I was 18, I would have had no goddamn idea <laughs> what I wanted to do. And again, it wouldn't have been this, like, I, there's no way I would have come up even in my wildest dreams and said this. So I understand that, that these kids are, you know, potentially telling me things that they're going to change and, you know, they're going to take their first chemistry class and it's, and it's not going to go well for them. And then all of a sudden they're going to change their mind, you know, due to just, you know, uh, the ebb and flows of, of undergrad life. Right. So uh, yeah, it is a little bit uh, not consoling, I guess, but easing their emotions. Like they don't know what to do with their life. And I always come back to the you know, I'm, I'm a professor and that's a career, but still, I don't know necessarily that this is going to be the end all be all. And like everybody is, is, is very, uh, you know, plastic, if you will, where they, they can go one way or another. And uh, it, it's just, I don't know. I think the laid back aspect, I'm laid back. So, you know, it can't state 
for example, I think uh, Dr. Kingsley was more of that rigid, very formal person. And that works really well for him and his students respect him a lot. So you don't necessarily have to take the laid back approach. But I think for me, that's worked out really, really well. It's made me approachable from the students end of, end of things. I, a lot of them feel comfortable coming in. But then it also inhibits me a little bit um, because they feel like they can come in as well and they'll hang out in my office. Uh, which then inhibits me from getting work done as well. So it's like a double-edged sword, but I enjoy that, that portion of it, just the friendliness that I have with those kids. Yeah, and I would agree with you. And that's one thing that really gravitated me towards you whenever we were at IUP was the fact that you were very approachable. And like in between classes, I know, I remember back, back in the day, you and I would play Cal and I'd always talk shit saying I could beat your ass, but I never did. But uh, but yeah, just, you know, having that friendly approach and then, and it just works for you. And even from what you said with Dr. Kingsley, like I would, I mean, he's brilliant. You know, he's one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. Very formal to the point. And that's just his personality and he's, and it makes, and it works for him. And I'm really glad that you were able to find that niche, if you will, that makes you unique so that you're not trying to play somebody else's role. Um, let me ask you this, because even throughout your journey of your bachelor's, your master's, your PhD, trying to develop your CV and your research agenda, you've come across a lot of people, great and bad experiences, I imagine. Um, throughout all those people you've met, who would you say has been probably the most important professional mentor that you've come across? Uh, I, I, I'm not going to put it on one, I'll put it on two, and then two people that I've already sort of mentioned, but I wouldn't be in this spot without Dr. Bayless and Dr. McDaniel, Madeline Bayless, formerly at IUP, and, and John McDaniel at Kent State. They um, definitely took an immature version of who I was and made me into, you know, people say, and I guess informally I'm a scientist, but made me into that thinker today. I think Dr. Bayless made me curious about the field and Dr. McDaniel solidified the curiosity behind a certain aspect of it. Um, and they're to me that they're they were role models not only in the in the field of exercise science but they seem to be really good just genuine people too so i wanted to do good work for them i wanted to do well you know so that it reflected well on them um as a person as well so definitely those two i would not be here i've heard people say that about me like hey he was lucky to have dr mcdaniel as an advisor whether they were another phd student under somebody else or like even i remember my dad um, I, I had defended my dissertation. He met, I think that was the first time he ever met Dr. McDaniel. And he's like, dude, you are lucky to have that guy. And I was like, you're not kidding, man, because there are, I mean, and, and you probably have seen it uh, a little bit, but if you get the wrong advisor, man, some people don't finish. Some people kind of jump around. I mean, it's important. It's definitely an important thing. And he was a whole crux of my success for sure. I talk to him all the time. We talk about running and, and, and research all the time. So I talked to him last night about I'm training for a 10 mile race. And, uh, he, he was a, a professional cyclist back in the day. So his training knowledge, I sort of tap into, um, me being a novice runner, um, try to figure out how to, that world is working. But, um, anyway, I'm still in contact with both of them. They, they have made me definitely who I am today. Yeah. I know Dr. McDaniel, I think he qualified for the national championships whenever he was an undergrad at Malone for cross country. Like he's just a freakishly amazing athlete when it comes to that. And yeah, he's phenomenal. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Dr. Bayless is retired now. 
Yeah. So I don't know how that all came to be, but I know I was at Kent State. So it must have been three years ago ish that she retired. And so she's living it up. I know she, I saw a picture of her on Facebook the other day. She's in Europe. So she's living the dream right now as well. Going back to Dr. McDaniel, how freakishly athletic he is, his kids, he has five boys. Mm -hmm. And uh, I forget what grade, maybe eighth grade. But every time one of his eighth, his boys get to eighth grade, they beat the other one's records for the mile run. So like as his kids are going through, like one kid will, will own the record and the next kid will bump that kid off and then so forth and so on. So that it's definitely getting passed down to his, his next generation as well. Oh, wow. That's incredible. That is so cool to know. Thanks for sharing. Um, well, you know, let, let me ask you another question because again, you've had a lot of, I like to call them roller coasters, if you will, throughout your journey. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs, hills and valleys, if you will, of going through the grind of getting a PhD and just going for school for that long and then finally getting the dream job that you've always wanted. So throughout that journey, what would you say has been the most important lesson that you've learned that you think everybody else should learn in their lifetime? Shoot, I'm, I'm only 30, so this 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 wisdom I'm giving you is not uh, true and, and straight yet, but I'd say two things. Um, one, I think uh, success is founded on a curiosity basis. I think you have to be curious um, in whatever you're doing in order to do well in it. And two is patience. Uh, my, our master's was only one year long, right? So like, as soon as we started, we could see the end of it. It was no big deal. But when you're 24, 25, uh, 20, I can't remember how old I was when I started my PhD, but mid twenties, I have friends, they have jobs, they're making good money. They're, you know, they're sort of living their life. They're getting married. Maybe they're having kids. And I'm looking at down the, you know, shotgun of four years where, I mean, I don't want to say how much I was getting paid, but it was not, I mean, it was like nothing. And so I, I lived with four other of the PhD students there. And, and luckily they were super, super nice. Um, shout out to them, Dr. Brian Dowdell, Dr. Cody Delaney and Dr. Elliot Arroyo. They're all spread out all over the country now, but um, yeah, patience, man. Cause we would wake up, sit at the breakfast, like we had a breakfast table in our house and, uh, we would look around at each other, like, what are we doing, man? Like we have two years left. And then, you know, you put a timetable on your PhD and it's like, well, that's only the timetable. If you propose at the right time, if the committee accepts it, if you run the data correctly, like if you defend like well, and you don't have to go back, N not even that. So like, then you have to take a comprehensive exam before that. So you got to pass the, the written part of the oral part to get to your dissertation. So it's like, Hey, you'll get out of here in four years if you pass the hardest test you've ever had to take in your life and you write the biggest paper you've ever written in your life as well. And you're like, well, how did I get here and what am I doing? But like looking back on it, it was it, patience was definitely what got us through for sure. And we definitely had our days where we were like, we're not, I'm not doing this. I'm like definitely getting out of here. But uh, like I said, looking back, it wasn't all that difficult. Like you had friends to study with, people helped you write the paper. Like people talk about a dissertation, like you're going through hell. And, and I'm not saying that it's fun, like by any means, it's not fun, but it's not like you against, against the world. Like Dr. McDaniel helped me write it. Brian helped me write it. Cody helped me write it. I mean, like they were all there if I had questions. So, and it's, you know, they say it's a hundred pages plus, but you know, reference section, you have your graphs. I mean, it's like, we like to talk about it. Like 
it's this big project, but it, and it is, but it's not as hard as people make it out to be for sure. Anybody can go get their PhD. It's really kind of what you do with it. Sure. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. And I mean, even when I was at IUP writing my master's thesis, I thought it was like, holy shit, I can't imagine what a dissertation was like. And then whenever I heard you're going to Kent State, I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine what he's going through. Just the, I just imagine it was hell or whatnot with all the work that you had to go through and, and whatnot. So I, I'm really glad that you had a different mind mind frame going into it. Cause I know for me and a lot of people, we probably would not have had the same mindset going into it at all. So I think it had like good thing you brought that up. Cause I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have gone to my, did do my PhD having done a, I didn't do a thesis. And I think that's a big misconception too, is like, you don't have to now a lot, I guess in some schools and in some friends you do, but, I know that it, uh, my mentor at Fairmont, uh, I know some kids at uh, Kent State, they did not do the, a thesis. And seeing what the stress you went through when I was doing my internship at IEP, I definitely would have had a different mindset. Like, I'm not the hell with that. I'm not doing that again. There's no way. But uh, I, I think potentially it has something to do with your mentor and it has something to do with um, the people that you have around you. But it, it is only as hard as you make it. And and anybody can do it. I mean, I've seen people do it from all walks of life. So it's, it's not impossible. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, well, well, Hey doc, I, I won't take up much more of your time. I know it's, Oh, we are going to do math. It's two twenty your time. Cause I know you're an hour ahead of me and you're in the Appalachians out there. Um, Wait, where the hell are you? I'm in Illinois, man. I'm out by St. Louis. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know my, my wife told me we have to stay here. I can't move back to Ohio and cause a ruckus anymore. <laughs> so yeah. uh, are the Guardians well, gonna win tonight? You mean the Indians? Yeah, they'll win. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you a Browns fan now? Because you lived in Cleveland. We lived outside of Cleveland not too long. Well, I have uh I brought somebody here from Cleveland. My fiance is from Cleveland, so we have a little bit of a a clash going on, you know, every year, but, uh, hell no, my Browns fan. Come on, man. Oh, my, my kids will be raised anti Browns. Uh, they, they have the illusion of choice, I guess, living in this house, but, uh, <laughs> he was at a Steelers tailgate at 10 weeks old. So it's already over. That a boy. I love it. That's awesome. Well, Hey, I, I'm sure that family dynamic is going to just be great as they play each other twice a year. Not yeah. only get you to become an Ohio State fan, that will be really sad. Yeah, but uh, I live in West Virginia. I got to be a WVU fan now. Yeah, I hear you there. Okay, great stuff. Um, but like I said, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day just to sit down and talk to me. I know it's crazy to think because when I was talking with Josh, he's like, it was six years since I last talked to him. And it's been six years since I last talked to you as well. And it just seemed like it was yesterday. Um, so I won't take up much more of your time, but I, I do got three last quick questions for you. Um, I have been told from one of my great mentors, whenever I was finishing up my last degree, that the most successful entrepreneurs or CEOs, if you will, they read 60 books a year, which is like, you know, if you're making me do math like that now, it's about a book and a quarter a week or so, you know? Um, so if you had to recommend three books, for our audience to read, what would they be in re and why would you recommend them? Oh, I'm a big reader. I love reading, honestly. So I, I actually built a, a bookshelf in my basement that's, what is it? I forget. It's hundred and some feet long, but it's like all in one. Uh, anyway, it looks like holes in the wall. It's pretty cool. But um, that's tough. So I, I, I switch back between fiction and nonfiction. 
And 60 books a year, I don't know who's doing that, but they must be really, really short books because there is, and I, like I said, I don't work a ton. Like I'm not a 40 hour a week guy. And I mean, I have a kid and, you know, a house to take care of, but like everybody does, I'm sure. So 60 books a year is like, I would love to meet that person and, and figure out what kind of Adderall that they're on because they're, <laughs> um, I think the first book is, uh, and I read it at Kent State, it's called Range. I can't remember who it's by, um, but essentially it's uh, going back and forth between people who specialize and people who are like utility players and giving pros and cons um, for each of those like types of people and giving really successful examples of both. Um, I like to think of myself as more the utility person where I know I have like a, a big pool, but it's pretty shallow um, and not, you know, a really deep pool for just one subject. Um, that's a really interesting book, especially to put perspective on your life. There's a book called the body book. Now I'm going to have to give a shout out to my, uh, to my major at this point, it is a, essentially an anatomy and physiology, like textbook that is, um, written like a, a novel. And it is written from the point of view of a physician and how he sees the body and how he learned it. And it is a very fascinating read. Um, and then I would say the third book is talking with strangers. I think that's what it, what it was called. And it's like how to approach a conversation. Like it's this conversation is easy because we went through a year where essentially me and you were forced to be together every single day. And so we're friends and we'll be friends for a long time. And even if we don't talk for six years, it's no big deal. But uh, like if you were forced into a room with somebody, how do you start a conversation? How do you read somebody's body language? And that has helped me a lot, I think, um, in interviews, because in academia, the interviews are like 12 hours long. And it's like from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, 30 minute interviews with a bunch of different people, starting with like the president of the university all the way down to the graduate students. You remember when we remember when we uh, I think it was Hayden. Did, who, who who did we interview when we were at IUP? Wasn't it Hayden? Uh, yeah, it was Hayden. Yeah, that's right. So Hayden went from IUP to Kent State back to IUP to work. Yes. And uh, so we had interviewed him as graduate students, but he probably talked to the dean, the president that day as well. And so he has to go into those rooms, right, and, and read the room, like, how formal is this? How informal is this? Like, what do they want to talk about? And that book, Talking with Strangers, is, is a really one, a good one for that, for sure. Forgive me, I'm just writing this down because I'm trying to build up my library as well. I don't know if I'm going to get 60 books a year, but uh, if I can definitely improve myself, that's definitely going to help me out. And I know a lot of people who are listening. Dude, if I get 60 too. books in the next five years, it's going to be a goddamn miracle. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's it. From what you were saying, I thought the same thing is like they have to be like, you know, 50 page books or something like that. It can't be a 300, 500 page book. There's no way in hell they can do that in a week. That's for sure, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you another question. What about your top three podcasts? You know, wh who, what do you listen to and what would you recommend? So co contrary to the book thing, I don't listen to any physiological podcasts. I think that's like the area of my life where I try to branch out. So I listen to Mad Money from Jim Cramer. Mm -hmm. He's like a, a stock analysis individual. I, I enjoy and now I know very little about that whole sector of, my, of the world, but it's super interesting to see the way the markets work and super price index and things that, again, I know the names of these things. I don't know exactly what they mean, but it is interesting. So I listen to him. 
And I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot, um, mainly just for entertainment purposes, I guess. Um, and then oh, what's the other one? Uh, Huberman Lab, which I guess is a physiology more or less, but I not necessarily human physiology. He talks about some research that he does and then he's read and kind of breaks it down in an easy, easy manner. Cause even like, and it's, it's fascinating. And I'll tell you a funny story in a minute. It's, it, uh, it's fascinating that like I have a PhD, so I understand research, you know, more than most people that don't, uh, but I still can read things like in terms of um, like research articles and not totally understand what's going on in the stats section. Like I have to look up things that they have done or uh, techniques that they've used to like titrate blood. I mean, it is just all a big different thing than I've done. Um, and it was funny because a lot of people don't understand the different degrees and what they mean. So for example, um, one of the people that I went to IUP with, I'm not going to uh, give her name out, but she knew I was getting a PhD and she knew that I, somebody called me doctor in front of her or whatever. And she called me the other day, she was going skydiving and she wrote down on a skydiving sheet that she had shortness of breath, something along those lines. And she needed a doctor's note in order to go skydiving. So she calls me and she, <laughs> goes, she goes, Hey, can you write me a note? Like I, I need a note saying that this shortness of breath. And I'm like, I'm not that kind of doc. Like it would, I could probably go to jail for writing something like that. And <laughs> so it is. And that's when it sort of clicked. Like I'm around academia. So like I understand. And, and just like you, like I know the different degrees and like, you know, what it took to go through some of them, but a lot of people look at me and, and, and they have no idea what, not, not that I care, I guess, but they have no idea what I do. They have no idea the schooling that I went to. And it's like, it's not a physician. I'm not a PA. Like I'm not a nurse. Like those are very different things. Uh, so, and it, it's just fascinating to me, like the, I guess the difference, the, the difference of the degrees and the, what people think they are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's real fun that you mentioned that because you're not the first person to tell me that. And whenever I was in, when I was at Logan University in St. Louis, I was getting my terminal degree. I was working at the hospital on the side as an exercise physiologist. And we had a PhD who would come in and try to, you know, get some research subjects from our, our um, folks and whatnot. And when they were come in, they were just asking about like, can you hand out this questionnaire and stuff like that? And same thing is like, hey, can you give me a prescription for lisinopril? And he's like, no, I, I can't do that, bud. <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned that because I've seen that firsthand for sure. So wait, all right. Well, let me let me twist this around just for a second if you have the time. And how did you end up in St. Louis? Great question. Um, so I'll just tell you what happened to me after I got out of IUP. After I went out to IUP, I moved down to Morgantown and I started my PhD at, at WBU. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did that for about a semester and I was like, fuck this. I hate this. I will never do this. I, I just couldn't stand it. And I still had a bad taste in my mouth after I did my thesis. Um, so I got up, I left. And after I left, I moved back to Cleveland and I got a job at Case Western as an exercise physiologist for an epidemiologist in her lab. And as I was doing that, I really got into strength and conditioning. I started lifting a lot, um, maybe not to the volume that Josh Dingus was, but I, I started to really see a change and I liked it a lot. And I ended up hurting myself. And um, I went and saw a doctor at the university hospitals there across the street from Case. 
the guy took an x-ray of me. He didn't touch me, like didn't do an exam or anything like that. And he's just like, all right, when do you want surgery? And I was like, I'm 26 years old. I don't like, I shouldn't need back surgery. Like, what are you talking about? So then I, I went to a physical therapist. I wasn't getting great results. And then he's like, go check out this chiropractor. And I was like, no, I'm not going to see a quackapractor. I always used to call them quackapractors. Um, and so then I was personal training on the side as well at a local gym in Cuyahoga Falls. And this girl I was training, she was a receptionist for a chiropractor. So she kept twisting my arm, twisting my arm. I eventually went over there. And I got adjusted. I, got, I started getting treated and I got instant relief. Like it was crazy. It was awesome. And I was asking him the science behind it. Is there research that backs it up? He showed me everything. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I want to, I might want to pursue this. So then I went and toured some colleges. Uh, there's one in Georgia. There's one in Chicago. There's one out in California. And then I came across the one here in St. Louis called Logan University. Um, one thing I really liked about Logan University, and I don't know how familiar you are with chiropractors, is that uh, there is a lot of pseudoscience in chiropractic. Like basically saying, if I adjust you, you won't have cancer. It's complete bullshit. Um, but anyways, this institution was a very medically inclined curriculum. Like it was almost identical to a medical school curriculum. Um, we had to do rotations. If we wanted to do a residency, we could do a residency. And so I was like, this is legit. So... I, uh, once I started feeling better, I toured the campus that day I applied, I got accepted. I moved out to St. Louis, December of 17, started January 18, uh, finished my degree December, uh, not December, April 21, been in private practice ever since, man. That's crazy. That's a crazy turnaround. Like, cause I, I know that, or at least I don't remember you ever saying anything about it. So that's why I was curious. Uh, cause it was always sort of, you wanted to do a PhD, like you obviously tried and you didn't like it, but now you're this and that's great. And that's, that's interesting. Cause I have a lot of kids that want to do chiropractic. So it's, uh, again, I don't, I mean, I can only speak to the prerequisites you need to get into some chiropractic school. I don't, I don't have the practical experience, obviously of a chiropractor. So it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about it. Sure. I mean, if, if any of your folks want to talk to me, I'd be more than happy to chit chat with them and give them some real world experience and tell them the what's great and what's shitty about it. And yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd, 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 if I can help you out any way, I, I will, Doc, for sure. Yeah. So, well, hey, everyone. Um, this is Dr. Pullen from Superior Chiropractic and Rehab Radio. I really appreciate you coming on board again and just shooting the shit with me once more. It feels like we're back in, in grad school, like in our shitty offices, just sitting there, just you know, talking about life. I love it. So wait, thanks again for hopping on. I really do appreciate it. You got it, man. Anytime. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Pullen here again. I so appreciate you listening to our podcast. I know you probably got a lot out of it that you can help implement into your day-to-day activities and lifestyle. So like I said before, I would really appreciate you to help support our channel as we grow to go into other communities so we can achieve our goal of making sure everyone is active, strong, and healthy without prescription drugs or surgery. So how we're going to do that is that by going to our page, hitting like and subscribe so you get notifications and when a new episode drops, and you can help share it to your friends and family. So this is Dr. Pullen. Thanks again for listening. I so appreciate it. Have a great day.